Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. If you are in a storm that is overwhelming you and you're waiting for your faith to kick in so that it might be a buoy to lift you from the drowning waters, well, then you might have to wait for a long time. What we'll learn today is that faith is not automatic. It doesn't just kick in on its own. It's something that God has given you, but it is also something you must activate. Faith is not something that just happens automatically, that somehow God gives you and it opens up at the very moment that you need it. Faith is something that you have to bring into operation in the circumstances and situations of your life. You have to have your mind about you so that you can recall what God has said and what God has promised and who God is and what he's done for you. And that's how you operate. That's how you activate your faith. Feelings are kind of automatic. Feelings are automatic. They are. We don't exactly know what causes us to feel certain things, although sometimes we understand the cause and effect of our feelings. If you're walking down a street and out of an alley, a dog comes rushing out of the darkness, growling at you, you automatically feel something, right? You automatically feel panic. You automatically feel rage, anger, whatever it is, right? You feel it. That's feelings. It's automated by the things that are around you. Faith doesn't work that way. Faith is not an automatic thing. Faith is something that you have to operate. You have to activate. You have to put out on your own. You have to take up the shield of faith. You know, we've said this statement. People say it all the time. You read it. God doesn't ever give you more than you can handle. It's a false statement. God almost always gives you things that you can't handle. That's how God operates. He just doesn't give you things that he can't handle. He doesn't give you trust or trials that he is not capable of delivering, but he can handle it. But for you to operate and come to the point of uh, coming into that situation and finding help and aid in it, you have to believe him and trust him and put your faith in him to handle it. I've often said a statement like this, and I believe it's true, that God gives us what we need when we need it, but not usually before we need it. God gives you what you need, when you need it, but not usually before you need it. And so sometimes we can imagine some horrific scenario, and we think to ourselves that we could never endure it. We could never face it. We could never come through that event without being utter and complete failures, being utter emotional wrecks and ruined if this thing or that thing happened. And, well, the truth is that what you're imagining and the way you would handle it is likely true. You don't have the resources to go through those situations on your own and by yourself, but God does. God can empower you. God can enable you. And actually what happens sometimes are those things take place. The day comes when you lose a loved one, a child or a sister, and they die, and it's, it's more profoundly sad and devastating than anything that you even imagined. 34 years ago today, our family got that news. My sister Priscilla died. Could never have imagined anything worse than that, getting that news. She was 22 years old, just a few weeks away from graduating from Bible college with a missions degree. 
killed on spring break while she was visiting her grandma? Worse than anything you can imagine. Here's what else we found out. God's grace, God's provision, God's comfort, God's companionship, God's solace, God's encouragement was far greater than anything we could imagine as well. God came at that moment to be a great and wonderful and rich resource to myself and to my family members. He's never left us. He's demonstrated to us that moment that he gives us what we need when we need it, oftentimes not before that, but I guess what I want to say to you here is even when he gives you what you need, it's of no use to you unless you pick it up by faith. You still have to take it. You still have to take his promise, his word, his presence, his encouragement and say, oh, I want this, I'll hold to this, I'll claim this, I'll cling to this, I'll remember you in the midst of all these things. And when you do, well, your faith unleashes before you the provision, God's provision for every circumstance and situation. Just don't panic. Actually, let's go back to this for a moment. And that means that it's possible that you might even face martyrdom. Martyrdom. With tranquility and peace and a confidence that no one could understand. Well, in the moment, by faith, you take up all God's promises and Christ's presence. Don't plan on handling it well now. If you think about it now, you'll just panic, right? Just be a horrible thing to imagine. But in the moment, take up faith. God will aid you. So how do you operate and activate this faith again? Well, we just already said it. The first one is this. You don't lose your mind. The second thing is this. You remember what you already know. You remember what you already know. You decide upon what you've decided. You remember who is in your boat. You remember what his character is and what his power is and what his commitment is to you. This is why Christians have to often talk about Christ why we need to bring the Lord Jesus into our conversations regularly. Because Christ is the answer for everything that you're going to need when you are in the midst of a storm and you are going to be in the midst of storms. The best thing to do is rehearse his life and his presence. Martin Lloyd-Jones actually gives a wonderful depiction of what faith in action looks like. Faith being activated. He says it's like this. It looks like unbelief kept quiet under the foot of faith. He goes on to explain this. It's unbelief, doubt, being kept quiet under the foot of faith. When does your unbelief stir up within you? In storms? When you're in trials? When you're in difficulties? When do you have doubts? When things aren't going the way you want them? When you're in the midst of the darkness? How does faith activate itself in that moment? It keeps those things quiet. He says it's like this. He gives us the picture of a person who always applies pressure to their fears and their worries and their concerns by the foot of faith. It's the person, he says, who keeps a snake quiet under the pressure of his foot. The snake of doubt, the snake of fear is always stirring with energy, but faith places a steady pressure on it to keep it under control. Now listen, what if you panic and you raise your foot? <laughs> you got to get your foot on that snake. You got to leave it there. You can't panic. Don't take your foot off of it. Just thoughtfully, mindfully, keep pressure on it. That's how you activate your faith. Here's the third application. It's this. Faith has an object, and that object is Christ alone. And we'll conclude with this. Jesus gently rebukes his disciples. I say gently. He says, where is your faith? 
He asked this question because, well, they've lost a little bit of self-control. They've expressed doubt, not in his power so much as in his character, his concern for them. Lord, don't you care that we're going to perish? His silence, his sleeping the boat, was not an expression of his disinterest in them. It was merely because he was confident in what he could and would do for them at just the right moment. So he could rest and sleep. Now when Jesus rebukes them, I think it was gentle. I think for some reason, when I don't know what it is, but whenever I read these words, I can't read these words that he says to them, where's your faith, with any note of scorn with them whatsoever. Some individuals speculate that what the Lord Jesus did is he stood up and he quietly, gently rebuked the storm and the force of the waves, and they were calm, and then he turned around and forcefully, forcefully rebuked his disciples. I think it was just the opposite. I think he got up and he rebuked the storm just in the same way that he rebuked the demons that were filling that demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 1 and said, be quiet, demonstrating his authority and power and their destructive intent. And then I think he turned around and he, he gently chided his own disciples. Why? Why are you not presenting your faith? I think the reason he was gentle with them was because the clue of their faith, even in the midst of their distress, was still there. Weakly and feebly they exercised it, but it was still there. They seemed to have lost their heads, these fishermen who had managed their lives, all their lives in the Sea of Galilee, and they knew what they were doing. They seemed to have lost all control, but in faith, these fishermen did go and wake up the carpenter in the boat to see if the carpenter could help them. Well, that was a smart move. Whatever it was, it was faith. Listen, believer in Christ, Jesus is in your boat. You need to be encouraged knowing this. You may at this very moment be in the midst of a storm, but I'm just going to say to you, do not lose your head. Don't panic. Don't become desperate. If you do, by the way, panic and for a moment lose your head, still go to the Lord Jesus and just prepare yourself for a brief moment of chastising. But weak as you are, it's not too late to let the Lord Jesus make himself known to you. Pour out your complaint, pour out your concern, pour out your fret, your worry, whatever it is. Receive your chiding from him. But he's still in your boat. He's still the master of the storm. He still speaks. He's still in control. He knows what he's doing. He's crafting a great story of glory to come from your life. At just the right moment, he's going to unveil it. Trust him. Rest in him. When the time's right, he'll wake up. He'll rebuke the waves. He'll calm the storm. He knows what he's doing. He's in your boat. For others, there is a very serious question. And the question is this, and it has to be much more direct. Is the Lord Jesus in your boat? How are you handling the storms of life? Are you ready to go down in the ship without him? You don't have to. You don't have to. He's proven himself ready 
to ride through the storm in your life. He's proven himself sufficient. He has already seen your sin. He's seen the inability that you have to recover from your own sins in your life. He's come to remove them and forgive you and cleanse you and live in you and empower you and by His grace, in His time, gently transform you and make you new. He knows the judgment that you deserve and He knows it's even more than the pain that you're presently experiencing. And He came for that judgment and He's already wore that pain and is already taking the punishment for your sins. And he's risen, conquering again over all of them. And right now he's ready to forgive you and wash you and change you into something utterly new when he gets into the boat with you. And then he'll live with you and ride with you through all of life's storms. So what do you have to do? Well, you have to activate faith. You have to activate your faith. It's not going to come to you. There's not going to be an awesome moment when all of a sudden you believe You've got to believe. John tells us how that takes place. It says, to many as received him, to those who believed on his name. There it is. You've got to receive him. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Come, be the savior of my life. Be in my boat. Live with me. Change me. Transform me. And he will. And he'll be with you forever. Thanks for joining us today at Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. If you'd like a copy of this message, just call us at 208-331-4096. That's 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.